Welcome to More Than Tracy Turnblad, the podcast about body size diversity in entertainment and media. I'm Abby. I'm Luce. And we are two 20-something plus-size creatives trying to find our place in the industry and the world. The average body size for women in the U.S. is an 18, but in the entertainment industry, it's less than half that. And when larger bodies are depicted in media, it's almost always on the sidelines or with an overt negative connotation. We almost exclusively see ourselves depicted as one-dimensional jokes or horror stories, or often just not at all. And we are tired of it. So that's why we started this podcast. By sharing the voices of plus-size people who work in the entertainment and media space and analyzing the media that's shaped our perceptions of body size, we believe we can create a more inclusive industry and world. I started this podcast in 2021, and it has the same title as my solo cabaret show, which I've performed in a few different cities now, including at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. The podcast and the solo show are both named for Hairspray, because growing up, I did musical theater and constantly got told I could play Tracy Turnblad and rarely got told I could play anything else because of my body size. R.I.P. I joined the podcast in 2022 after just finding Abby on TikTok and asking if she needed any help because I loved what she was doing. And I said, please (laughs) run my Instagram. So now Luz runs my Instagram. But then I realized I really wanted a co-host because I was doing a lot of interviews. But I feel like what to me is compelling about podcasts is like the rapport. So I just wanted someone else to be in it with me. And we were already becoming friends and they're so smart. So here we are. And now I am also working on a show, which is crazy. It was actually very much initially inspired by Abby's solo show. Ah! Um, But now recent um, development is that it is becoming a larger show. So I'm hoping to get more stories from fat trans people and formulate a show around those people. Hopefully give more fat trans people opportunities to perform and to share their stories on stage. So that's something that is... Uh, going on in my life currently oh we've um, totally forgot to say our pronouns by the way I'm my oh, pronouns word. are she her my pronouns are the weird ones it's they them <laughs> or he him that's not um, weird <laughs> Thank you. pretty sure he him is like the least weird a pronoun can be that's probably true that's like the most normative pronoun just in case you guys are wondering when they use for god then so. we have been on a hiatus <laughs> for a little bit and we realized that we hadn't done like a hello or an intro or anything in a while. So we wanted to start off season four with going back to basics and reintroducing ourselves to you guys. And we're going to do that by answering the very questions we ask all our guests on this podcast, uh, which going forward, we may or may not do it exactly like this, but um, this is what we have done in the past. And now we're going to do it ourselves. So we already said a little bit of this, but The first question that we always ask people is like, besides your pronouns, what are your nouns? Like, what do you, how do you identify Mm. as like a person who is, uh, you know, you know, living, creating, existing in the arts entertainment space? So for me personally, I would say primarily actor, actor, performer, um, singer, dancer, question mover, um, (gasps) mover, shaker, creator, lover. (laughs) hider (laughs) i just i would say creative i would i would really say multi-hyphenate creative generally so i guess me too i'll get specific though because 
I right now is a little funky because I'm in a master's program. I'm in a one year master's in media and cultural studies, so it couldn't be more relevant to this. Um, and I am still acting. I'm voice acting primarily. And prior to that, I was acting, acting, singing, creating, writing. I am still kind of doing all those things. I'm just for this one year, I'm living abroad and I am getting my master's. So I'm on a little bit of a pause with some of the other artistic stuff, but I literally just did a voiceover job. So I'm still at least doing that. I'm sitting here in my home recording studio right now. Hopefully you can tell from this audio quality that I do this for money. Play. (laughs) Yes, you do. And I spend it all because I just got back from Italy and I spent literally all the money I've made since I got here. (laughs) Work. If you're going to spend it anywhere, honestly, Europe, Europa. Word. This is going to be posted way later, but my birthday is the day after recording this. So that is why I was in Italy. Yeah. Happy birthday to Abby in Italia. (laughs) Me trying to pronounce all the Italian versions of things. They're like, what do you want? I'm like, prosciutto. (laughs) Prosciutto. I'm like, but I don't want to be that American who tries to be Italian, but I don't want to be that American who's like, prosciutto. (laughs) Right, right. You want to be somewhere in the middle where it's not cringy, but people can tell that you're making an effort, you know? Exactly, exactly. Okay, next question that we always ask everybody is, what words do you use to describe your body and... Like, what are your feelings on different words? Are there any you don't like? Blah, blah, blah. Mm, Love this question. Um, One of my faves. I like fat. I'm totally fine with it. I also like chubby. I think, I think for me specifically, the way that, the way that my like body is just like proportioned, like I feel like the way that people would immediately describe my body would be chubby. Mm. Um, Cause I'm very like, I'm pretty like evenly distributed, I guess. So I end up being like a heckin' chonker, like on the cat scale. You know what I mean? So it's just like, <laughs> just like a little, a little chub, like a, a chub layer, a, a lot of chubsies. I feel like that's um, also like way less gender than most of the other terms. Yes, which that's, is chill. That's huge for me. Yes, yeah. I love, I love that it's just kind of like fat feels pretty genderless and like chubby feels pretty genderless mm-hmm. plus size I'm fine because that's like technical you know when you're talking yeah, about like, I feel clothing because I'm like yeah I, I wear plus sizes so yes mm-hmm. uh curvy don't love um because first of all kind of sort of gendered but also like my body just isn't curvy yeah like I'm 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 pretty like straight up and down. Like I'm kind of shaped like the Michelin man a little bit. So like, that's just like, not, that's just not what my body looks like. Yeah. And of course, like, <laughs> like BBW or like ah. thick, like <laughs> thick with two C's. Like no. I don't love, I mean, I'll say, I'll say thick in like a, in like a, I guess like sarcastic way maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, But like not genuine when I'm talking like genuinely describing my body, I would definitely say, fat chubby or plus size i believe yeah i really pretty much only like fat or plus size i've come around to plus size a lot more i think that there are actually a lot of factors into going into who is described as fat there's social context Mm. there's body shape weight distribution and i think fat is a good overarching term for like everybody so on this podcast we we are probably going to be using fat to describe like a general of like idea of what we're talking about that said i i have a lot i have a lot of feelings on all these different terms but really fat and plus size to me feel the most neutral and factual and i feel like that's the best place to start 
Um, It feels like some of the other ones are trying to be positive. And that feels a little bit patronizing and weird and euphemistic when it's like you could just say fat and it doesn't have to be the worst thing in the world. True. I say this thing in my solo show about how like when we say fat, we don't mean fat. We mean like sloppy and lazy and unhealthy and disgusting and unattractive. And like, what if it just was fat? Like, what if that's where we started from? Yes. It's just a fact. Like, if you say I'm tall, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I basically on this podcast, I want to be clear that we're going to use fat as a neutral term, as a description of our bodies, maybe other people's bodies. We do check in with our guests when we talk to them and see what they like. So you'll be hearing lots of conversations about that when we have guests on. That's that's generally where we sit. I think a lot of these terms too, like thick and curvy, they don't necessarily describe fat. And we're talking about fat. We're talking about pure body size, which includes people who might be thick or curvy. But I'm also not curvy. I don't have a waist. Like I, yep, like, yep. I'm what they call an apple shape, which I fucking hate for yeah. <laughs> so many reasons. But we'll get into that on another episode. Oh, but um, I carry like all my weight in my stomach, and I have always been like. very bottom of plus size and Mm -hmm. mid-size when I was younger like I'm like a 16 or 18 so like I'm small fat but like I'm definitely fat and I think I get treated kind of as fatter than I am because of all those other factors yep plus because I talk about it (laughs) right body body shape and weight distribution also has a huge effect because like I you know I know a ton of people who are the same size as me and we get we have varying experiences. Totally. You know? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I I want to have my friend on who's come on, on bonus episodes on our Patreon before because we were talking the other day and she was like, we probably weigh the same, but like we just carry our weight so differently that we get treated completely differently. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. There's there's a lot there, lots to unpack as we go along in this season. We're going to we're going to dedicate a lot of time to just sort of unpacking all the basic tenets that we think about when we talk about fat people in entertainment and media. So back to like us as artists or creatives or whatever, what is your artistic origin story? How did you get into the arts? Oh my god. I mean, I've been doing arts, I mean music most mm-hmm. uh that's that's where I started out. Um I started with piano and dance when I was 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So little baby, that's where my where my shit started. That's where I started to enjoy being on stage. I remember there are some videos of me like performing in piano uh recitals, just getting really excited to get on the stage and kind of like hamming it up a little bit. Um, which was so weird because I was such a like shy kid that like when I got up on stage, I was like, wah, wah, wah. um, <laughs> so I really enjoyed it and I like took to it really well um I ended up getting into a children's choir pretty intense children's choir when I was around eight years old that was where my singing training started and I got real into that that was my whole personality (laughs) um Mm -hmm. my mom was also a singer and like was in choir and I just I always wanted to be at choir rehearsal with her even when I was like four or five years old So they put me into that. I was in that for about eight years. I learned a lot of shit about music, musicality. My ear training was was way, way, way improved throughout that experience. And then I started getting into theater in like middle school and high school. And that is kind of what I like really, really fell in love with in terms of feeling at home 
and feeling like very excited about it and the excited about the prospect of doing that in the future. And I ended up holding myself back a lot from theater because I did not think that I had the skills vocally. I also did not see a lot of people who looked like me on stage doing the kinds of things that I wanted to do. And this was weird because I, I varied widely in size throughout my childhood, but, but being fat was always like an identity thing for me because I was larger by age, like three or four. So like that colored, that colored my early childhood experience and also my early experiences with performing. So regardless of what size I was, that identity kind of stuck with me and that kept me from pursuing what I wanted to do for quite some time. But I kept coming back to it because as you do when you like really like something and and it is something that you're in love with, like it keeps coming back until you like go for it. And I feel like I started to become more comfortable with the idea of like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I am going to pursue this in like later college. And then the pandemic hit and I like realized gender stuff about myself. And that was another like sort of setback in terms of like, holy fuck, like, like, how do I even fit into an industry now? Like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And coming out of it, I've just tried to, you know, stay the course and do follow what brings me joy and what is going to fill my cup per se Word. um and I'm still trying to do that right now I'm just trying to like follow follow what brings me joy and that's that's it slay yeah so that's uh-huh. that's how I am where where I am right now yeah I really relate to like sort of never having a theater experience that is untouched by body size and thinking slash knowing you're fat but I was I didn't get fat till I was 10, which is early, but it was puberty. Like it just overnight, boom, I was mm. fat. And then I say fat. And I was like, what? Um, <laughs> and it, uh, I have PCOS, so I guess maybe it kicked in or I don't know, but that was, that was a crazy time. But yeah. um, it's so funny because the next question is like, when did you become aware of body size and like start oh, yeah. experiencing fat phobia? And both of us like cannot even talk about our artistic experiences without it because that's just... It's such a big factor. It's in everything. And like, I remember being, you know, 10 years old, wanting to audition for my like school play, thinking I wouldn't get cast because I was fat. Like thinking that at 10 years old, I remember playing Bagheera the Panther in the Jungle Book, you know, racist shit about that aside but right um <laughs> i i like whatever i play this panther a thin character right mm. you know i mean an animal but a thin character yes and like everybody i would tell them oh i'm playing this panther they were all like oh you're playing baloo because a bear is a fat animal like i knew a bear was a fat animal at 10 i expected to get baloo i was surprised when i got bagheera and you know what actually wasn't 10 i was nine so why do we both have like bear play related trauma because bear is a fat animal (laughs) like i swear to god i literally okay age age 12 i auditioned for um renard the fox which is a which is a play Mm -hmm. and there's a bear in it and that was the only role that i didn't want because i was the largest person in the room and i was like i swear to god if you give me this fucking bear i'm gonna lose my fucking mind and And guess what I got the bear. Of course you I, did. And I cried in front of everyone 
at the audition. It was oh, awesome. Oh my god. Okay, so another place that people always are is like the matron or like the older woman. And so I remember my school mm-hmm. did Oliver when I was like 12 or 13. And I didn't want to be Widow Corny. I was like, cast me as anybody but her. And I like put on my audition form, I do not want to play her. And I got cast. <laughs> so, <laughs> but not That's before so they rude. called me back for Fagin. <laughs> Damn. The old man. And I what was pretty fuck? insulted by that as well. I fuck? got called back for Nancy too, but yeah, I was like devastated by just all of this. It was very yeah. formative. Um, but when I was like really, really little, my parents are both violinists, so I've grown up in like the most musical household ever. And there's a constant parade of my parents' students coming through our door, and they were my babysitters Aww. and my best friends, and like that was the soundtrack of my life. Was like, you know, kids learning violin. So like deep, deep arts roots. My whole family is super musical. Like everybody plays music. I have cousins who are like musicians and bands. And my uncle played at the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. And like, it's just like their whole generation, literally everybody is a musician. And I just thought that like, that was, you just picked your instrument and then that was that. <laughs> um, wow. Like, I just kind of thought that's what everybody did. And I, it didn't occur to me that people didn't play music. Um, so I played violin as a kid, but then I... Uh, and I was obsessed with ballet. I found ballet through my parents. And then I was obsessed with opera. And then finally musical theater. And I stuck with musical theater. But it was also, it was a very difficult road when you're fat. And when you are, you know, I think I got into musical theater because I wanted to be a lead, <laughs> frankly. Like, and I've, yep. then I, it's, it's, I enjoy playing a supporting character. I enjoy being in the ensemble, but I really wanted to I, I wanted attention if I'm being honest and I don't think that's I don't I don't feel bad about saying that and you know being fat it was just felt like a losing battle for like doing the thing that I wanted to do which yes I was doing but like it was so much harder and you know I could just never get seen for like the level of part that I wanted and I feel like I never really developed as an actor in some ways because of that and it was just like deeply hard and traumatic and I was blaming myself for both being fat and not being talented enough to overcome the fact that I was fat Mm. and yeah so it was just like I wish that I had been able to sit in the like joy and love of it that I could before I got fat but it becomes Mm. so so hard and it's it's a bummer but as I as I got older I got more interested in writing and um I found voiceover which has been huge because like it was crazy. Immediately, I started doing voiceover. I booked the second job I ever auditioned for. The second. And, like, it's not that easy for everybody. Um, And it's not necessarily a talent thing. I got in at a good time. Like, I'm not trying to be like, and I'm the best at it. But, like, there's also a lot more work. It's But it's incredible how much immediately I got, like, praise and jobs and money. And like, mm-hmm. Positive reinforcement. Yeah. And I never had that from theater. And it like kind of freaked me out. Like it's, I mean, it's it's weird. Like I'm not used to it still because yeah. my whole life was begging, begging, crying, scratching at the door. Please let me be in your ensemble. God. And now it's like, oh yeah, you recorded for us for an hour. Here's $3,500. Like what? <laughs> and you deserve that. And you deserve that. Thank you. Because it's like I spend enough time auditioning for all the jobs I didn't get. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's always colored my experience and in college I had to make a conscious effort to stop like limiting myself and that was something I worked on a lot especially doing my solo show was like what are all the things I told myself I could never do and like 
is it true that I can never do them or that I just never saw anybody that looked like me do them? And so, you know what I mean? And like, yes. but then it's like nobody saw that. So I'm going to sing this fucking song about falling in love and you're all going to listen. And maybe one day someone who's like fat and young and is me when I was a kid would see that. Because I think if I had seen just one single fat person depicted in a positive way, it would have changed my whole life. Because when I finally did, it did. But I grew up in the 2000s. So representation was very scarce, which we will discuss at length here. But um, that actually segues perfectly into the next question, which is like, how did you get to where you are? Was there ever a turning point where you were like starting to finally question body ideals and fat phobia? Oh, yes. Hell yes. Oh, man. I love this question because I feel like I love this question because I feel like I have a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reason. I'm not going to argue with that. Um, Because, yeah, there was a very specific moment for me, actually. It was very incredibly specific. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was going, I I was, you know, standing on the precipice of about Mm. to start a new, um, a new dieting journey, maybe, perhaps, because that was just my pattern growing up is I would like be the size that I am and then I would do something restrictive to like get my weight down because I was able to do that and then gradually I would gain the weight back and then I would do it again Hmm. to get my weight as low as I possibly could and then it would slowly come back um so that had happened like throughout college and I was kind of getting back to like a set point of some kind and I was like thinking about it when the kind of lockdown started and we were, you know, not going to see anyone for a little bit. I was like, okay, like what should I do this time? Or like, what am I going to do this time? Uh, What am am I going to go back to like, (laughs) am I going to go back to going to Zumba several times a week and like not eating bread? Um, Or like, what am I going to do this time? And then I kind of like had like a, awareness of what I had just said for the first time I like kind of was like out of my brain and was like hold up yeah what what did you just say um and had this divine moment of like awareness about how bullshit that was and how um crazy it was that at a time like this I was concerned about my body size and what I was gonna do to get my weight back down and I just kind of was like, whoa, like people are people are dying right now. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, like Kim, people are dying kind of to yeah. myself. Yeah. I was like, I was like, are you fucking for real right now? Like we are going through like a a giant public health crisis right now. And your first thought when you get to be alone with yourself is like, OK, how am I going to suppress my weight again? Yeah. Like that's crazy the priorities the priorities on me at that moment I was like whoa I was just ashamed by my priorities first of all which I'm glad that I was because I don't think I could have lived another second being in that headspace when that kind of shame works but shaming people for eating badly doesn't (laughs) yep 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 I mean I wouldn't even I guess shame isn't the right word it was more like it was more like awareness yeah. Um, because I didn't I didn't think that I was necessarily a bad person for doing that, but I was just kind of like, hold up, does this align with our morals? Does this align with my moral compass? And that is when I started to 
get more involved with like fat positive spaces online. And I'd already been seeing some of that on like TikTok, which I yeah. think was part of the reason why I like actually questioned what I was thinking at the time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a big catalyst. That's it's so, media. That's what I'm freaking studying. And it's so, like, yeah. it's, a, it's unbelievable how much that will change your life if you just see the right piece of media at the right time. Yep. And as, as someone who's like, you know, involved in doing that now, hopefully for other people, I can say that like, uh-huh. it does make a huge difference. It that's does. That's why we tell stories. That's, uh-huh. why, that's why we create. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just to see something a little bit counter to my like beliefs was enough to like create awareness when I had a thought that I had had a lot of times before and didn't question. Totally. Um, and that kind of was like coupled with my um gender sort of discovery, which it just it just honestly kind of shifted my whole perspective in terms of uh mm. caring about what makes me feel good and what would make me happy for the first time in my life, um, rather than like what I should do or what people want me to do, how people want to see me. Um, yeah. what would make people like me the most, what would make me, I don't know, the the most likable version of myself for other people. Right. Um, so that unpacking like that phobia and my feelings about my body size and my desire to control was the catalyst for everything. Huge change in my life. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's also like you walk into a whole new set of beauty standards when you come out as a different gender than mm-hmm. you've been out as previously and yes. so that's that's very interesting too because it's like the pressures that are put on trans people versus cis women versus cis men versus yep. like you know whatever like trans identity you have it's very interesting because everybody's got a thin standard but everyone's thin standard is different and like the reasoning behind it is different and the way that it's addressed within that community is different that is yes that's hysterical but like yes because that was fucking crazy when I came out as non-binary and like started feeling very like solid in that it, I was like noticing that things that made me feel slightly like not aligned with that were like about my body shape and my body size mm. and like and yeah. that the <laughs> the like physical ideal for non-binary people is very much like very thin like no discernible like boobs or butt like just like yeah you know like a a brick basically absolutely Um, and I like definitely noticed that and thankfully I had already started like deconstructing everything that by that point I was like oh yeah okay so I should like not be prioritizing that as like a as as a mode of like feeling right good about my gender Totally. That's also another thing that we're going to get deeper into as we continue making episodes in this season. Oh my gosh, where am I? Who's answered what question? Um, uh, so oh, how did I get to where it's I am? your turn. Yeah, okay. Um, I feel like I have a good story about this, but maybe it's just because it's oh. personally like significant to me. But I was driving home. I think I was probably like a sophomore in college. And one night I was driving home alone from something and I turned on NPR randomly, which I don't usually do. Because I would rather listen to music, but nothing good was on. So I don't know NPR. And it's an interview with Lindy West. It's this episode of This American Life called Tell Me I'm Fat, which I highly recommend. It's fascinating. And mm. 
that was when I first heard of Lindy West and she was talking about like, I'm just fat and it's okay. And like, we should just say that we're fat. And I was like, oh my fucking God. And she started talking about her experiences as a fat person. And I had just literally never heard anyone say this before. This is 20, 2017, I think. Because, you know, I obviously I'd known other fat people. I'd been fat my whole life, but it was just like not something you talk about. Yes. And I'm usually really good at talking about things. The only time I ever remember overtly talking about it was as a self-deprecation, like, oh, I'm so fat. But I was doing that, yes, because I thought it was, like, terrible and bad and wrong, but also because, like, nobody else would fucking say it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm that's a privilege, too, because I was smaller, but, like, I was only cast as old ladies or men or animals and, like, I knew that was because of my size, but no, if I ever said I'm fat, people would be like, no, you're not. So I like kind of named it in defiance, mm-hmm. even though there were parts of this period where I was starving myself. I don't know if I would consider myself necessarily fat from where I'm sitting now, but I was yes. treated as such. I will say I was very much treated as such. And I was one of the bigger people that I knew. So <laughs> That's also a very valid point that, like, I, at certain times in my life when I was younger, I would have, like, not really considered myself a fat person. Mm -hmm. Um, However, there is something to be said for the experience of being the largest person in a room or, like, being the largest person in, yeah, in a certain context. Absolutely. Like, everything is about where you're from. I mean, in Vermont, there's a big culture of uh, athleticism. I'm from Vermont which you probably know if you've ever listened to this podcast before, but not if you just started with <laughs> this episode. <laughs> anyway, but in Vermont, it's very like, first of all, there's a there are a lot of people in Vermont. It's the whitest state. People are white Northern Europeans. And outdoor activity is very popular. I'm kind of outdoorsy. When I go to the city, people are like, wow, you're so outdoorsy. But in Vermont, I'm like medium. Mm. Um, like, I love to camp. I love to hike. I love to be in nature i want to swim in like rivers and lakes like you know basic stuff but um Mm -hmm. with that culture and my high school is very like sporty culture just everybody was thin and the people who weren't thin were poor and that they were poor and they were like the the more right-wing people and so that was and i as a left-wing person who was middle class probably wasn't as rich as the thin people but I wasn't as poor as the (laughs) fat people I just like felt so like vulnerable as a fat person in that environment or even just like as a person who was like a size 12 when everybody else was a size 2 like that's a big difference Mm -hmm. it is a big difference it is a big difference and I was you know what's funny is back then I was the biggest size in the store the stores Mm -hmm. ended at 12 and now a lot of those stores ended at 16 or an 18 so I'm still the biggest size in the store (laughs) so it's like Weirdly, my experience hasn't changed because sizes have expanded sort of with my body. But now I'm in the UK and I cannot shop in person here. Like, at all. Oh, my God. I mean, there might be like a few places, but I'd have to really seek them out. Um, That's terrible. But like, I I, I go to a thrift store and I can't find anything. Like, I've gotten one thing at a charity shop. I've been to probably 12 charity shops looking for dishes because I'm not Mm. crazy. But (laughs) I I know my limits. But yeah. um, yeah, like I found one denim jacket that was in a UK size 20. Biggest thing I've seen in a charity shop. Wow. UK 20 is US 16. So oh. most, mostly they stop having things above about a US 12. Jesus. Okay. 
Yeah. Wow. Which, I mean, the average size is smaller here. So, like, that makes sense. Yeah. But, but. It, it doesn't make sense how much more we have for smaller sizes than the amount of fat people we have. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Anyway, so, like, I listened to this this American Life episode. I go home and I immediately look it up. I'm, like, Googling the names of the people speaking. Roxanne Gay was also on it. Mm. And, like exactly the phrasing they use i can find it i find it and i remember listening with headphones on like under the blanket because i was like embarrassed like i didn't want my parents to know i was listening to media about that even though my parents are both like fairly body neutral ish like they're they're not they're both not skinny Mm-hmm. And they never wanted me to be skinny and they never wanted me to starve myself. And we got in a lot of screaming fights about my diets. Wow. Um, and they told me diets don't work. You're just going to gain the weight back because your metabolism is going to change. And I was like, fuck you. The magazines say differently. But oh, even God. them, I didn't want them to hear it. And I was like really embarrassed to talk about it for another year. And then I had this idea for this solo show. I started kind of jotting down ideas and I was <laughs> in this show and I was talking to this girl in the show I was on the keto diet at the time and I was like by day doing the keto diet by night scrolling through like your fat friend on Twitter and I I had this this turning point with her where I was like you know I, I want to do the show she's like what are you working on I'm like oh I, I've been writing the show I'm I really want to do it it's about like being plus size in musical theater and like how, how that's impacted me and how difficult it is when you're fat on stage and there's so few opportunities whatever so i'm saying all this stuff that we're saying and she's like mm-hmm. oh but that's like not really an issue anymore right <laughs> and it should be noted this girl's like maybe one of the skinniest people i've ever met and was a raw vegan so like come oh, wow. on it's not like you're not aware of <laughs> you know the the mandate to be healthy at least and and i remember her saying and this is so my university. This is like everyone's attitude. She was like, well, maybe in the really commercial areas, but like that's not even good theater. <laughs> Dead. And, oh, my God. I That that just made me so angry. That was like the first time where I was like, no, you're wrong. And I'm right because this is actually my lived experience. Like mm. I did not consider for a second that she was right, which is a big deal for me at the time because, again, low self-esteem. But. Then, like, a year later, I had this terrible audition where they essentially kept me to use me as a reader. I've told that story on this podcast before. Yeah. And they, they, they like, made me think I had a callback for this character who, like, is fat and sings a song called Does God Love Little Fat Girls Too? And so I was, like, just sitting there listening to everyone else sing the song, not even told whether I was called back for this character or not. Then they wanted me to read for the old lady. And... They didn't, they wanted me to read with all the girls. So they literally just kept me to use me as a reader so they wouldn't have to do it. After that, I was like, you know what? I am writing this damn show. I'm putting on this show. And I did that. That is a fucking crazy story. That's fucking crazy. It was like truly just like epitomized what it's like to be a fat person in the arts because, and like a fat actor specifically, because like one of the only roles that is described as chubby. Yep. And is a young girl and I was 20, but like they're played by adults mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting there listening to these three like skinny girls who are all also, I think, older than me singing in the next room. And I'm, I was just sitting there like, what the actual fuck? And I'm not eligible for that part because I'm fat. That's yep. how fucked that's up. That's crazy. That's what got me. And I was like, absolutely. I'm doing the show. I am. And so I yep. did. I did it in the. Philly Fringe Festival that fall. I lived in Philly at the time. 
and then I I did it like at another theater company in the area and then I graduated from university lol I'm so British now I say university and I moved to New York and then I was thinking oh I really got to do it again when I have the money and then the pandemic happened and then I made it into a podcast and then here we are so that's what's up but and um, she ate she ate please don't say that about me that's a stereotype oh. <laughs> uh, but it was really good it was a really good show thank you I hope to see yours oh my god I'm so excited for it it's gonna take a while to put together I know Good, but like you need I'm to give me feeling... time to get my master's yes but I'm feeling I'm feeling very good and I'm working on it with uh Yona if okay. you know if you know Yona um mm-hmm. from Broadway Bods person who I met uh through cool. Wild Party and they're another trans person and we we want to do things so oh we should plug Broadway Bods because Broadway Bods is if you're in the New York area they do amazing productions with all fat people and uh, they're super inclusive, and they did this production of The Wild Party where everybody was fat, which was amazing. It was incredible, and it just, like, <laughs> craziest thing actually ever that happened to me in the audience of watching The Wild Party. That was the worst sentence I've ever said in my life. So No, I get you, though. <laughs> craziest thing happened to me while I was watching it. When um, Amanda Briskin-Wallace came out, future star, um, playing Kate... And she put her arms out. She did like a classic, like, like <clears throat> arms out pose. Yeah. And the fact that her like arms were like, were like wiggling a little bit, like made me actually tear up. <laughs> no, I feel that. I used <laughs> like in to, the audience. one of my body checks when I was a teen with an eating disorder was mm-hmm. putting my arms out, seeing how much they looked like, you know, Adina Menzel's arms. Cause that's oh. what I wanted to be. And the thing is that Amanda is so like Adina coded. Like Amanda yeah. is so And that's Adina literally coded. an Adina part. And I that was yes. my like I was obsessed with her specifically. Mm-hmm. I stand by it too. People shit on her singing. No, that yeah. woman is an actor first. I I I I would die for her. That's it. That's a that's a good point. That's a good <laughs> point. I never thought of it that way. Um and I don't think your voice should be have to be perfect in musical theater. That's my hot take. That's also a very, very fucking good point because it has just gotten, it has gotten really, really weird. It's really weird. That's another, another thing for another episode. We should do a bonus episode on that specifically because I think yes. it does apply to fat people in a certain way, too, mm-hmm. and it definitely applies to trans people in a certain way. So lots of t- lots yes. to discuss. Oh, the other thing I will I will say is that like I was also on a constant diet cycle and had a really bad relationship with food, in in a Vermont way. After a while, like, I kind of realized that, like, restricting the amount of food I ate wasn't working for me. So then I would restrict which foods I ate. And I was very into, like, health foods and alternatives and whatever. And, like, oh, you're poisoning your body with this, stuff like that. Mm. I did the whole 30. Like, that's the that's the culture. So oh, then God, I finally yeah. ended up reading, um, unfortunately, The Fuck It Diet, the author of which came from an acting background. So that's why I wanted to read it. Um, turns out she is very transphobic and very anti-vax. Oh, I am not cool with her anymore. So, Woof. but unfortunately, that is the book that I first read about, like the Minnesota starvation experiment, which we're gonna get into in one of our episodes, and like how weight regain is like oftentimes not your fault, and like that was like my first path out of blaming myself, and like my first path out of having no food rolls for the first time in since I was a child. 
because I was veg- I was even a vegetarian. I mean, I wasn't a vegetarian to get skinny because it was pretty clear after a while that it wasn't making me skinny. Um, mm-hmm. But I was a vegetarian to get uh, viewed as healthy. So yes, that at was least like, behavior. Totally. That was like definitely a big turning point for me as well. And I gave up dieting and that was its its own whole journey. And thankfully I did it before the pandemic because woo, that would have been a real challenge if I hadn't. Yeah. And I'm wow. very impressed that in that time you were able to um, get out. I mean, it had been it had been brewing for a long time. And also during the beginning of the pandemic, I was pretty much 100% isolated for at least two years. Um, yeah. So I, I basically like went into a fucking cocoon and like became who I am now. I love um, that. <laughs> so if people who knew me before that happened i'm always like hey because uh, i yeah. feel like i'm a completely different person that's how i feel when people meet me post maxwell because i was like so like just defined by hating love and then now i'm like the sappiest bitch on the block so <laughs> that's so funny you're like hey guys i know uh-huh. i'm like it's so about that thing that i defined myself by for a million years oh, um i have no identity yeah. now no uh we've discussed that at length on the patreon if you want to hear but um that's also also many intersections with body size because we can never be free um <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about media representations that we grew up with or that were also turning points for us i know tabloids was a big one for me i think that's probably true of a lot of people growing up in the aughts i was a child so i would just see them at the grocery store checkout line and ever since i could read my mom was like nope don't look at those and i was like but i but but it says i can lose 30 pounds in two weeks like give me the magazine mom and she was like nope 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 (laughs) nope like but, your but why, why do they all say that if it's not true um and that has been oh, my man. journey to, toward media studies thank you <laughs> wow that is fucking crazy and i'm also very i'm i'm very grateful for your mother um she tried she i mean just, you can't you can't you can't shield your kids from it completely it's you can't possible. you absolutely I, if, cannot, if anyone but... could it would have been her i mean i didn't even we didn't even have like cable tv we didn't have i didn't see any ads so of course wow. i loved ads and now i voice ads um but right. <laughs> yeah like i was about as not as sheltered as you can be but like i was not exposed to a lot of media that wasn't very wholesome but she tried her best she really did yeah and i appreciate that but you know you can lend you so much and she did everything she could and probably because of what she did and what my dad said too like i i think that's probably the only reason that i was able to break up with dieting at 22 Mm. yeah yep that's that's real because i mean like it's it lasts so much longer for so many people and oh my god yeah it takes people so long to deconstruct which like i mean if you base your whole life around it and that becomes your entire personality it becomes pretty hard to to untether yourself like we watch our grandparents my grandmother like her whole life would eat cottage cheese and on toast for breakfast like that was her diet breakfast you'd eat fruit for lunch and i remember when she died the last time I saw her before she died, she was so skinny. Like it was, mm. she was the kind of, she was emaciated. She was the kind of skinny 
where you could she looked like she was dying and she was she looked like the pictures of the people you see in concentration camps like jesus and i was like wow like she dieted her whole life for this i mean props (laughs) to both of us for being out of that and i and i hope to get more people out of that as as soon as possible (laughs) yes (laughs) as soon as possible break free break free (laughs) yeah but as far as like any media can you think of anything from childhood i i've i've have a few now yep the first one that pops up for me is augustus gloop oh god that's a good one which i feel like i mention every single time we talk about representation because it's so overt it is in a way in a way that i have not often seen for like just being against certain groups of people you know what i mean like it's it's often not laid out that clearly where it's literally like this kid is fat and he is bad and these two things are related yeah um it's it's just so over that like literally augustus gloop augustus gloop the great big greedy nincompoop does it for me what do Um, you get when you gobble down sweets eating as much as an elephant eats what are you at getting terribly fat what do you think of that i don't like the look of it Mm, it's all there it's all there and it's it's all super cute or whatever right and it's like oh a lesson to the children but that man was not a good man he was he also hated jews so yeah so (laughs) not a good dude not a good dude he hated jews in a very like very eugenics kind of way and that's no he like yeah it's it's one of it's it's weird yeah um side note about augustus gloop song (laughs) is that my sister and her best friend when they were little they used to sing it um Mm -hmm. and they would pretend to be oompa loompas but they heard it wrong so they thought it was what do you get when you travel down streams (laughs) which he's literally (laughs) doing so it's understandable that's a good point I think of that every time I hear it. That's definitely a less fat phobic version. Don't travel down streams. Don't. Stop. Stop, stop traveling. Stop traveling down streams. Oh Be God. careful. Stay at home. Ugh. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so that one was probably like just the worst one. That movie was like my childhood. I watched it before I got fat. So I don't think I particularly identified with Augustus because I saw it for the first time before I got fat and I wasn't looking for that. I did once I got fat and I watched it. I really was scared by Violet, the Violet Blueberry scene, because I felt like that was that I got fat so quickly and I felt like I had so little control over it that I felt like I was experiencing what she experienced. And similarly, the Aunt Marge scene from Harry Potter, that was like that's what I felt like was going to happen. Like it was this out of control, like it's going to keep going and going and going until I'm like so fat. Abby, I felt the exact same way um i think that those scenes specifically the aunt marge one and the representation of the dursleys in general Uh uh-huh was also huge for me because i was a huge harry potter stan at the time um that was like harry potter was fucking everything to me so i was taking that in a lot yeah i the the aunt marge one for sure because the way that the way that people talk about like overeating and like being fat is that there's no end it is that it's consistent and that you right. will exponentially gain weight until you die that is um, literally something i still hold on to today like uh-huh to this day oh i literally still uh, yeah 
I still am like afraid from time to time. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that pops up, which is obviously like it's not it's not like scientifically accurate, but that was part of why I got into like dieting and stuff because I thought oh, that same. if I allowed my body to be the way it was, it would just keep going. Right. And, and that's that there what was your no way I would stop it. That was a lot of the like news media rhetoric at the time too because it was like obesity epidemic it's out of control the kids are getting fatter and fatter and fatter Mm -hmm. like since x whatever year when they changed the bmi measure uh kids have just gotten fatter and people are getting fatter and it's gonna keep going until we're all fat (laughs) and (laughs) like that was the narrative you're fed about it that it's like it's a rolling ball and it just continues yes continues. yep it's the it's a fucking snowball effect or whatever it just yeah. it just gets worse and worse and faster and faster and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's just that is interesting and the like the perceived lack of control that you have um yes was is a huge motivator for eating disorders first huge. of all huge um, and also like I was told that I was out of control because I was fat and being fat was evidence that I was out of control yes so like mm-hmm. that is how you create a person who's a control freak like exactly how monica from friends became monica from friends we can talk about mm. friends and, yeah we gotta do full episode on friends some one of these days real um but yeah that's like like i just cannot imagine how fat people don't have control issues i've had like mm-hmm. ugh, we've gotten into that to it a lot on the patreon we talked about on our hunger episode how it relates to sex like it just yeah it makes shit probably sense. gave me OCD. Shit probably gave me my OCD. I honestly, I'm, I doubt, I mean, I don't, I can't say that I wouldn't have OCD if I didn't have that experience, but like, I'm sure it added to it and yeah. compounded it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I have terrible like death and medical anxiety anyway. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's all <clears throat> yep. not good. Yummy, yummy in the soup. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, how about any positive representations in media? Oh, fuck. I honestly, for me, I feel like it was never positive. Um, or if there was positive representation, I did not see it. I was simply blind. I feel um, that. Because when you have certain beliefs about people, um, and especially if they extend to like yourself, Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really hard to see anything that does not confirm your beliefs. And it's also very easy to see everything that confirms them, you know? So like I, I had certain beliefs and I saw what confirmed those beliefs and I did not notice what did not, to be honest. <laughs> but you're so right. It's confirmation bias. It's the logical fallacy thing of like, um, you know, your brain looks for what it, what it wants to see and what it yep. has seen before. And so- like, yes. for example, I grew up with Winnie the Pooh, who is one of the most, like, sneakily fat positive characters for kids. Yeah. Did I ever think I want to be just like Winnie the Pooh because he's fat and I'm fat? No. No way. No. I'd, I mean, and it might be another case where I watched it before I got fat. But, like, when I was older, did I think of that? No. Like, he was positive. So he wasn't in this. And fat meant negative. So we yes. were in the same universe. Yes. So Mm -hmm. if like a fat character happens to be neutral or neutral to positive, it's like, well, that's not really a fat character. Yeah, totally. I feel like I had to train my brain to look for that Mm because. Yeah. And then when I did, I saw a lot more of it. But like a lot is a relative term. I mean, a lot more than I saw before, which was none. So (laughs) still not a lot. 
I would say Genie from Aladdin. Genie from Aladdin is really good, but I never thought of him as never thought of him as fat. Also, he's like not a human. So that is also another thing. Definitely. Yeah. Garfield, honestly. I mean, Garfield is definitely in some ways a fat stereotype. But he's also lovable and centered in the story. And He's allowed mm. to be cranky and angry and unlikable, which is very rare for fat people who are the yes. who are at the center of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like just all those little ones, kind of mm-hmm. in yeah, hindsight, I'm like, oh, good. But I don't think they impacted my perceptions of fat people. They're just it's good to point them out because then you're like, oh, hey. Yeah, because my my beliefs were so strong that I was just not seeing anything. And and my beliefs honestly didn't come from media, but my beliefs were supported by the media that I was watching. So like mine full came from you media. Know. And mm-hmm. media has an opportunity to challenge your belief or confirm your belief. Yes. And mm-hmm. I mean my belief I mean, whatever, my parents attempt to shield me from hating my body totally undermine my media Mm. although okay my one positive one is hairspray because it came out in 2005 when i was like eight i think Mm. maybe it was maybe it was later than that Uh, 2005 2007 i think 2005 whatever but i first saw it the year i got fat um we had it on dvd and i immediately was like oh my god finally like I and I didn't not want to be Tracy that was the first time I didn't not want to be a character but then as I grew up and people were like you should be Tracy and nothing else I was like seriously that's it yeah Um, and I started to resent it but that was a huge a huge one that was one of the only places I ever saw myself I feared that I was Edna and not Tracy because I wasn't small cute and pretty enough to be Tracy that's that's really interesting and that's also wow yeah 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 wow that's actually a really good point because the not only her like being fat but her also being like a very tall woman mm-hmm. and it obviously like being a man like being yes, that kind that of was situation what it was. yeah that's yeah that's interesting also by that time like the PCOS was kicking in i know i was hairier than other people so i i did feel like a weird kind of version of gender dysphoria about that Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was really good for me. I, I credit it with, you know, the few moments I had of maybe being fat doesn't mean I'm doomed to a sad, horrible, unfulfilling life. Love. Yeah. Love that's that. like a pretty low bar, but. Yeah, know. it's a really low bar, but. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say the next media turning point I had was, um, well, besides finding like fat activists online, uh, well, it was shrill the book which came directly from that that uh interview on npr um that was huge and she literally has a chapter of the book where she does exactly this and she's like these are the ones i saw growing up this is what they taught me about being fat i just like i just felt so seen by that book and i loved the tv show about Mm -hmm. it as well and i i loved my mad fat diary and diet land as well those are also very up there in terms of like uh, representation. My Mad Fat <laughs> Diary, I love. I love. Could not could not say enough great things about it. Cause I feel like I I don't necessarily relate to like super like hyper feminine representations of, of fat people, which I feel like 
for me, that was the experience that I had with um, Tracy Turnblad was that I found her very like hyper feminine. Yeah, um, which and I, I wanted to be that, but I feared I wasn't that, hence Edna. Yes, yes. And I just didn't, I didn't like see myself there. I didn't necessarily like relate to her. I thought she was great though. Like I, I was like, that's awesome for her. Not for me, but awesome. But I feel like, I feel like my Mad Fat Diary was was more of a like, just kind of a, like a girl. Like a girl who's not necessarily like, trying to be anything obviously she's like a teenager um and then early college so it felt less she just felt really real to me yes and it's very it doesn't shy away from any of the dark aspects of being Mm -hmm. fat which i really appreciated because i you know was kind of coming of age in the era of early body positivity and i Mm. fucking hated it we'll we'll talk more about body positivity i've come around to it a little bit more as a concept since then but mm-hmm. i hated it because i was being treated m- markedly differently because of my body size and everyone was telling me to pretend like i wasn't and that's mm-hmm. what it was to me the whole time like immediately i was like this feels like bullshit though because it's like okay great like all bodies are beautiful but like you'll still never let me play a beautiful character yes like you'll still yep. never want to date me you'll Mm -hmm. still never you'll still like think of my body as your worst fear of becoming like so it just felt like a lie and I don't like lies Mm -mm. so I love my bad fat diary because it's really fucking real it did not feel like a lie yes it felt extremely like down to earth like real realism (laughs) Mm -hmm. and hairspray though I love it it definitely does feel like a fantasy or at least it did when I was little and I was like he wouldn't really like her like let's be real Like, that's how I felt as a child. I don't know Mm -hmm. that that's true across the board of every single person on this planet. I I mean, I don't think it is. But when I was younger, I I was like, that just that doesn't match with anything I've ever seen in real life. So, okay, cute fantasy, Mm -hmm. but like whatever. It's like reading a romance novel. Like, it's like, okay, sure. You're like strapping 6'3", like flannel wearing lumberjack named like, I don't know, what's a romance novel name? Like Maverick or something. I have a cousin named Maverick who's a baby, but oh um, but doesn't that sound like a romance novel name though? It does. Whatever. Yeah. Six three Maverick is not gonna like sweep you off your feet and like, uh, you know, make you come just from looking at you or like whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly not Maverick. Certainly. No. Like, let's be real. If that man really exists, he's either like he's either like a right wing asshole or he like would just not go for that girl (laughs) the Mm. one who's plain well i don't know whatever if that man does exist in real life he's probably a terrible person (laughs) and he probably is very sexually incompetent (laughs) that's what i would say is definitely not not good at fucking (laughs) well anyway hairspray felt like a fantasy to me so i didn't think it and i felt kind of weird and guilty for like engaging in that at times like Mm. like going along for the ride of watching it you know because I was like, wait, but, you know, reality check, reality check. That would never happen. You'll never get to dance on TV. Like, that was just sort of in all positive media because the negative shit had been so ingrained. So you can't just bandage over it with positivity. You have to get to the root of it. Show yep. me that the negative stuff is at least partially bullshit. And mm-hmm. then maybe we can move forward. But until we do yes. that, and that's what we're doing on this podcast. Until we do that, 
to me, there is no path forward that is based on lies. Absolutely not. Yes. And whether or not it's really a lie, it cannot feel like a lie. Or it'll just blow over as a trend, as we're Mm -hmm. seeing in real time right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, final question. I can't believe we got here. (laughs) What are you doing and what do you wish other people would do to combat this fat phobia in entertainment and media? Oh my gosh. I thought you'd never ask. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, Basically, I, as a person, am very open about talking about fat phobia now. Sometimes I'm a little harsh about it. I'm working on that. (laughs) Because it makes me so upset and I'm still in like, like relatively, I'm still in the very urgy, urgy, huh? Urgy. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking with context of my urgy, I'm in the very early stages of my like activism and my advocacy for fat people. Mm-hmm. So I'm still in I'm still in a place where it makes me very upset sometimes and very like yeah. angry and that I'm working on but I'm always like open to talk to people about these things and I'll often like call that phobia out if I hear it if I see it um which I would appreciate happening from other people because it can feel a little weird if like I physically am like the only person like talking to like a group of thin people who are like saying some shit about like how Trump only eats McDonald's (laughs) every day. And it feels weird to me to be like, Hey guys, let's like not say that kind of thing. Like that creates stereotypes for fat people that uh, first of all, Trump is not going to be hurt by, Um, but I am, and I am being hurt by it. So please stop. So more just like noticing those things and kind of tuning, like just tuning your hearing you're hearing a little bit to like when mm-hmm. you hear some like covert or overt fat phobia stuff and trying to say something about it or at least acknowledging what's happening. Yeah. Um, to casting folks in entertainment specifically, just be aware of the expectations that you are putting on people based on their appearances wholesale. Yeah. Just just be like cognizant. Be have your, you know have your awareness cap on, just be like, okay, what, like, what things have I been taught about a person who looks like this? Am I like really able to receive what they're giving me right now as a performer in an audition, in a self tape, whatever? Yeah. Um, Am I giving them a full shot or are any beliefs that I have about how they look coloring my decisions or coloring my perception of what this person is doing? I just think there needs to be a lot more awareness. And once people have even a little bit of awareness about their own biases, like that can change things in a huge way. Um, even if you don't fully deconstruct every belief you have, like just being yeah. aware of those things is really good. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. I don't I don't know where to begin with this one. Mm-hmm. But listen to this podcast, like, share, subscribe, and <laughs> find us on Patreon on patreon.com slash more than tracy t um, <laughs> beyond that um oh yeah and leave and leave us a review <laughs> yes please yes please god beyond that um i think you said it really well about what people in the industry should do i think all of us should think about what stories are we projecting onto people in our lives because i yes. know i've caught myself doing that many times where i'm like oh you look like this so your life must be like this no and and 
that's why I think social media is actually a really good tool for those of us in this like body positive fat acceptance space, because when you can see real fat people living their actual lives, you are like, oh, so they don't just sit around and eat McDonald's all day. Why is it always McDonald's? There's so much better <laughs> fast food out there. That is my least favorite stereotype ever because Dude, it's same. so it's just so, so dehumanizing false. to the fact where like you literally think I'm literally just sitting. Literally yeah. just sitting. <laughs> you don't think we have jobs? What do you like what? <laughs> I have a job. <laughs> I have to stand the whole time. I stand for five hours. Guys, please. It's like I'm not I'm not eating mcdonald's i am a snob like give me like give me some yes <laughs> i'm from vermont i only eat organic fucking like <laughs> artisanal said, i'm from vermont i, I don't eat unfortunately McDonald's. it's in me it's in me i i grew up in a hippie family that let me get mcdonald's i believe twice in my life um and <laughs> then i moved out and i never got a taste for it so like you know what just like don't don't fucking assume don't stereotype and if people do fall into the stereotype why do you care that is the question because yes. why does someone else's health matter to you especially if you live in the u.s we don't have universal health care in this country our government mm -hmm. is not paying for the fat people to get sick it's paying nope. for everybody to get covid maybe no just kidding but like lol everybody is just getting covid which has a lot of long-term consequences that can actually put a strain on the healthcare system hello so uh -huh. if you are not wearing a mask don't talk to me about fat people and their health. Real. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, if it's your personal choice not to wear a mask and potentially be spreading disease because COVID's still very much around, then why are you talking about someone else's health? If you smoke cigarettes, if you smoke weed, if you do, if you drink yep. alcohol a lot, yeah, like you don't actually care about someone's health. If you are like, I want to drink a couple times a week because that's fun for me. Let me eat pizza a few times a week because that's fun for me. Exactly. And I hate let that me I, live. this is all still so ingrained that I'm like, let me clarify, I don't eat pizza twice a week, but like. I did. I just got back from Italy. So you know what? I was eating I'm some amazing screaming. fucking shit. You wish you were in Italy eating with me. You wish. You wish you could have three cannolis. You okay? wish. I actually don't like cannolis, but you wish you oh. had experienced this one tiramisu I will think about for the rest of my damn life. Mm. So I do wish that. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Also, I just <sighs> think that really the biggest thing is that is the morality piece. Like, I think that is such a, a a huge thing because it's like sure you can personally think fat is unattractive you can personally think that you don't want to be fat because you don't want to take on the social stigma but to think that being fat means someone is morally a worse person than you that's where mm -hmm. the harm really is i want to push back on all of these things because i think a lot of them are rooted in that morality and a lot of them are rooted in like racism and other shit but like mm -hmm. i guess i would just say fat does not mean bad and like Please, can we communicate that and push back mm -hmm. on any time somebody says being fat is bad. I don't want to be fat because that's bad. Like push back on that and say, you know, you might even want to clarify being fat's not bad in itself. But I understand if you want to, you know, get better treatment from doctors or be like viewed as more valuable socially. Like there's a lot of a lot of elements of it that are like very legitimate to want but like when you just stop at fat is bad it's helping nobody it's not helping you because you're living in fear and it's not helping fat people because they're now like being treated like they're bad people when you don't know anything about them yep and being unhealthy isn't bad either so i feel like that was a a very long and circular rant but 
That was a great answer. I made my points. You you got your point across. Ah, so let's do a little segment that we used to do with all the actors on this podcast, Mm. which is cast me cowards. Mm. Which is when we get to let's let's do one of each. Let's say one piece of fat representation we want to see and one piece of fat representation we want to be. Because we're both performers. (gasps) One to see and one to be. That's really Mm -hmm. cute. Ah. I love that. Okay. First, Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. Since oh that my is god, topical. Sweeney Todd is described as fat. Please he cast is? fat people. Yes, um, he's like it's not fat specifically, but he's described as like um, rotund or like chubby, <clears throat> like like a synonym for fat in the original script. And he's also supposed to be ugly. So like, there are certain fat characters people. where it adds to the story if they're fat because of how fatness is treated in society and i think we should lean into that instead of casting sutton foster that's all (laughs) i literally think i literally think both of them should be fat that's my opinion i don't i don't want to live in a world where they have to be except if they're concretely described as that because i don't want i don't want mrs lovett to have to be fat because she's unsuccessful in love like yes anybody but Mm -hmm. i also don't want her to not be fat because like that's the one role that I as a fat kid was told you can grow up and play mm-hmm. and like there's no reason why she couldn't be and it jives literally with our our like cultural stories about fat women yep and just or just let her be weird like just let exactly just, it's so stupid just let her be a fucking weirdo but like for me for me if a if a character is originally described as fat I'm like please cast fat people in that role we're getting in yep. our musical theater bag now, but in Parade, the wife factually was fat, and it was it's literally mentioned in the script at the trial. And I've heard of one fat Lucille ever, which is from a random YouTube video, but she was killing it. So, yes, queen. Yeah. Wait, what What about you? What do you want to... What do I want to be? Yeah. Joe March, Little Women. Let's go. <gasps> Let's oh, I go. love that. <clears throat> Joe March, Little Women. Now. Trans icon. Um, I love Joe March. Joe March is one of the only characters that is closer to my age range um (laughs) that i like really identify with and i'm like i think i could pull this the fuck off um definitely like either like gender silly or just like a queer coded character so that's like a huge reason as well why i love her um you know my roommate emma my uh, former roommate r.i.p yes uh they played joe last year (gasps) <gasps> they look they look like they would play joe yeah that's a joe right there um okay one to see i guess let's see i'm like where are we specifically particularly lacking representation mm. i just don't ever want a freaking show where there's no fat people like i just i don't ever want to see no fat people i think that should be viewed the same way you would view any other type of lack of diversity. I don't understand yep. why it's not. Obviously, the history and the baggage are, like, different. Obviously, yes. the it's a different type of discrimination. But if you think it's fine to have zero fat people, but you would, like, be angry if a show was all white, look at that. Why? Yeah. Why? And it's, like, a lot of acceptance of people of color is conditional on whether they fit, like, Western beauty standards, too. So, yep. Fuck, I'm gonna get called a fascist for this, but I think all I think shows should have to have a certain proportion. Like I think we should aim for a certain proportion so that it looks 100% like the real agree. world because it does so much harm. Like 
there'll be shows where there's no fat extras because they don't want to costume fat people and they won't cast them if they submit or fat people don't submit because fat people are literally discouraged from being actors because they yep. know there's like there's they're like there's not gonna be work for you you have to like lose weight or not do it like yep or wait till until you're 50 so yeah and then you can play the parts that all the same skinny 50 year olds who've been working for the last 30 years will are also buying be for. yep i guess story-wise like i just would like to see a protagonist because i'm yep it's you know that's that's what i wanted to be and what i've ne- i still feel like i've never really seen uh you know a story about a true fat protagonist who has a story that isn't like defined by their body size like i can't even imagine that i can't even write it because it's so like we there's just so much fat phobia so out of the society there's so few stories that we allow fat people to tell or to tell ourselves about fat people so absolutely mm -hmm. and who i want to be i want to be alphaba (laughs) <laughs> i always say this one but i want to be love or honestly any witch <laughs> real i i'm not a witch person but i just like i hello i identify with the experience of being cast out of society oh <laughs> well i mean and yeah. i identify with her here's here's why i love alphaba is because and like literally i have since i was a baby like mm-hmm. this is not this is not going away um, but the reason that I love her is because uh, she's just can't lie. Like, she can't pretend. She can't do this, like, she can't, like, suck it up and do something immoral. Like, and I just respect that and find it really interesting. And, like, that whole show is about how do you live in this world that demands that you give up morality and not be a good person and, like, you have the choice whether to fight that and go a hard road or you have the choice not to i think both of them are really uh, interesting but i do have brown hair so i've always identified more with alphaba that's all right oh alphaba is insane i've been listening a lot to <laughs> um the version of uh no one mourns the wicked i forget who did it but it's the one where they belt um it's glinda but oh yeah like it's so good (laughs) yeah no Uh, i've been planning my alphabet riff since i was eight so (laughs) you have to share it with me sometime (laughs) i just i think it's a i think it's a rich text that's what i'll say (laughs) and i want the opportunity to explore a character with that much depth and that much to do so yeah fuck yeah when the world is ready for a fat alphabet call me yeah i don't think i have the alpha of a personality either but like mm. i can act so yeah acting yeah hashtag acting i i don't know why i've always identified with these characters that are like a little bit harsh or whatever like you know what i mean like i love or, that yeah like i i'm i've always been interested in like the like i guess the bad badass or the like kind of slutty one or whatever when that's like not mm. me in real life at all like i think personality wise i'm probably much closer to an ingenue mm-hmm. i don't know well maybe not whatever sorry now i'm like i'm in my thing of i'm doing my thing where i say something about myself and then i realize as i'm saying it that it's not fully true yes and then i have to explain for 10 more minutes to explain to myself why i said that in the first place <laughs> <laughs> 
it's when you start deconstructing you can't stop deconstructing yeah it's a disease that's what's up it's it is a disease it is a disease i went to school thinking that i could be cured but no now i just have to deconstruct for a grade <laughs> real so real i'd love to share some concepts from my like studies on here but i don't think i understand them well enough to communicate them to other people yet you'll get there you'll get there i hope so i am i'll say i'm planning to write my dissertation on something in this realm so once that happens i will record it as an audiobook and put it on the podcast or i'll at least have it available like on the patreon or something to like read that's so exciting i want to do it on fat uh people and sexuality because not orientation just sexual sexuality because i think that is just very fraught <laughs> and there's a lot a lot to study much much to discuss well this has been such a wonderful conversation next time we're gonna go through some of the most common fat tropes and fat characters and uh discuss them and how our, our relationships with them and you know all all our thoughts there so very excited about that and uh until then like share subscribe leave us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify um and a five-star rating that helps a lot if you want more episodes we have a backlog of content on patreon it's patreon.com slash more than tracy t and uh be sure to follow us on social media i'm at abby rose morris on instagram and i run the tiktok at more than tracy t oh yeah i'm so excited for this i'm just excited to like start back at the beginning and get some new people involved and totally. send this to your send this to your friends send this to your my professor mom. who asked to see it i'm like i have to i said i'm gonna start a new season then i'm gonna give you yeah. yes send it to your mom send it to your aunt um send, send it, it to, to your, your dog. grandma who's dieting at 90 yeah tell her to stop <laughs> tell her to chill tell her that it's, she's the victim of propaganda and that it's gonna be okay <laughs> true live your life go to italy eat some tiramisu or whatever food is good yeah eat some focaccia i'm now i'm just like oh looking off into the distance thinking of all the food i had in italy and now i'm in the uk Ooh. where the food no offense british people sucks so yeah that bagel <laughs> that bagel i saw no. <laughs> i posted a bagel on my instagram story uh that i got from the campus ca like cafeteria oh my goodness yeah that's probably one of the one of the worst things i've eaten here but at least it was smoked salmon so it did have some flavor which is okay. more than i can say for a lot of it yum sorry sorry brits thank you so much for listening to this episode of more than tracy turnblad if you liked it you can find us on social media at more than tracy t to follow along make sure to like subscribe leave us a rating and review and even subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash more than tracy t Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back. Bye. Bye.